This is the question, and that this question for me sounds obviously. People have different preferences about game designs. And of course, if we are trying to use the same system, with the same design, with the same game elements, with the same, let's say, game ideas for everyone, we will provide good results for a group of people and negative results for another group of people. So this is the first point because it's very important to try to personalize gamification. The Digital to Learn podcast is dedicated to exploring both what's new and what's good in the use of technology in teaching and learning. Our mission is to have the best minds sitting in front of our microphones, sharing evidence-based strategies for digital teaching and learning. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Thank you for joining us. And now, the Digital to Learn podcast. Welcome to the Digital to Learn podcast. I'm Tiffany Snyder, and I'm here today with Mike Jones. Hey, Mike. Hey, good morning, Tiffany. Glad to be here. Oftentimes, Mike is behind the scenes on the show, running all the production work, but there's just certain guests and certain topics where we have to bring him out to be able to ask those meaningful questions. And this find today, this podcast guest was someone that Mike brought to us that we're so excited about. We're joined by Wilk Oliveira. Wilk Oliveira is a PhD in computer science and computational mathematics a master's of science in computer science and a bachelor in computing. As a researcher, he worked on a series of projects maintained by important international funding in which he has been working on the development, application, and evaluation of various educational technologies. He's produced many products and scientific papers published in some of the most important international conferences and journals in the field of educational technology. Wilk Oliveira has also dedicated part of his academic career to teaching, currently being an assistant professor, lecturer, and advisor at the graduate program in computer science and computational mathematics at the University of Sao Paulo. In the public sector, Wilk has collaborated with the Brazilian Ministry of Education on projects related to the development, application, and evaluation of educational technologies. Wilk has stood out as an entrepreneur in which while still an undergraduate student, he actively participated in the junior company movement, becoming the marketing director of the tech junior company he is also an enthusiast and precursor of the virtualization of educational games in Brazil, becoming the co-founder of the first Brazilian startup in the segment called Virtualize Games. Recently, he created the startup Eagle EDU, the first evidence-based gamification edutech. Wilk believes in education as a way to improve the world, seeking through his research the improvement of quality and access to education. His main areas of expertise are educational technologies, specifically, but not exclusively, flow theory, computing education, gamification, and educational games. Please join us in welcoming to the Digital to Learn podcast, Wilk Oliveira. Welcome, Wilk. Hey, hey, good to be here again. So glad you could join us today. Pleasure. So we've got some easy get to know you questions first off, so our audience can get to know you better and we can as well. So our first question for you this morning is, what is your favorite game to play? And it does not have to be electronic. And why do you like that game? <laughs> All right. Definitely, this is that question. Wow. Uh, I can start saying that it's very difficult for me to answer this question because I really like many different games. But First of all, my favorite genre of game is simulations. I really love to play different simulation games. For instance, Eurotruck Simulator, Flight Simulators, etc. 
But my favorite game is Pro Evolution Soccer, currently KO just a football. But for fans of the game like me, you know that best part of the game was during the decade when the game was KO'd Pro Evolution Soccer or just PES for the most fans. <laughs> Probably this is because as most of the Brazilian young guys, I had a dream to play soccer in real life, but I never had talent for that. I tried different <laughs> positions. I tried to be a goalkeeper and <laughs> I tried to play in all of the different positions. Uh, but unfortunately, I never get success uh, in play soccer. So maybe this is the reason that I really like to play pro evolution soccer. I remember that in the last night I was playing one of the first versions of Pro Evolution Soccer when the name was International Game Soccer in the uh, Nintendo Wii. It's a game from 98. So you can see that I've been playing this game for a long time. So yes, my favorite game is Pro Evolution Soccer. That's how we live vicariously through our gaming, right? Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I think the important question then is, are you talented in that version of soccer? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. Tonight is my four-year-old daughter's first soccer practice. So I'm going to enter oh. the soccer mom world oh. momentarily. Oh. <laughs> I had a real yeah, so good streak on the team called Grasshoppers with soccer when I was little, but it didn't last long. You're right, Wilk. I just wasn't cut out for it. <laughs> Well, I don't know. To be honest, my last time playing soccer in real life was six months ago yeah. in Finland. But I definitely stopped after to score auto goal. So I, I say, no, it's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Wilk, what was one of the biggest aha moments of your career or your life in general? Mm -hmm. Well... To be honest, Tiffany, I try to don't have like a big aha moments in my, in my career. I try to have different aha or big moments in my, in my career and in my general life. I believe that when we have a big aha moment in the, in the career, we stop to produce and etc. So I try to have some small aha moments. And for instance, my favorite aha moments are when my students get some award in terms of research or myself, when my students or myself publish a good paper in a good journal, uh, receive a good number of citations in, in some papers. All of these moments in terms of career, I consider like a big moment, not like an aha moment in the life, but an important moment in my career a moment that, uh, in fact, increasing my motivation to continue to, to produce and etc. But of course, I, I have some moments that I can say that are most important. For instance, uh, for everyone, I think that when we receive some degree, like after the college or a master degree or PhD degree, it's an important moment that we remember forever, but uh, in general, I try to don't have like this kind of uh, aha moment in my life. I try to have small aha moments and uh, celebrate yes. these moments and take advantage of from these moments to increase my motivation. Mm -hmm. Baby steps, right? 
think it's a good message for your students to think about like in their progress and educational journey and the impact of formative assessments or formative feedback along the way. So not just placing all that emphasis on the big grade at the end, but on all the little interactions in between that can actually make such a lifetime of difference in their motivation mm -hmm. and their journey. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, usually I talk with my students and my colleagues about that. Uh, I really prefer uh, to think the life or the general career as a, an opportunity to have different small aha moments and take advantage from, from these moments to celebrate with colleagues and, of course, to increase the motivation to continue the production, etc. That kind of leads really well into the next question because research is full of those little, huh, what's this moments, right? As we think about research projects and what research is, it's that exploratory experience of finding those little things and putting them all together into one presentation. It says, here's all the little mm -hmm. findings I found that add up to this big hypothesis. So with that in mind, if you could do any research without a limitation on funding, what would it be? Oh wow, wow! <laughs> this is this is a dream for our research in the world, uh, but I'm not sure if I have this kind of limitation. I will invest in some research to answer a research question. Maybe I will invest in one more practical research, and probably. I will invest my time and all of the limited resource to try to investigate how to change the mind, how to change the behavior of the people to a good side. I mean, for instance, how to change the behavior of a person that don't like to study to that person start to like to study, uh, how to change the mind of a person that prefer war and change the mind of the person to start to think about peace and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that my efforts will be invested in uh, research to investigate how to change the mind of, of a person or a group of people. Fascinating, fascinating. One of the topics we're talking about today is a part of how we do that, right? It's how we learn a modality of learning or what we might call an experience in learning. And that kind of brings us to this question about gamification. And you've spent a lot of time in your life working in and around this topic. It's a buzzword right now in higher ed for sure. As we think about turning our coursework into games, I think there are a lot of people that would say, oh, this is just a fad. People are just playing games, they're wasting their time. So is gamification just a fad from your research or is there more to it? And are people really learning or are they just wasting their time playing games? Well, this is a, a big question. And maybe most of the people that say that work with gamification will say, no, gamification is not just a fad. Uh, people are really learning and et cetera, et cetera. But it's not really true. In some cases, Yes, gamification is just a fad in some cases, but it's not the general idea. 
first of all, when gamification is justified, in a lot of cases, for instance, when the people are not really interested in to investigate the effects of gamification or are not really interested in to produce good results with gamification or are not interested to learn about how to gamify and provide a good gamification process. And unfortunately, there are a lot of examples like that. There are a lot of groups, uh, schools, and etc., that are using gamification just because gamification is currently, let's say, a high-top technology or a high-top strategy, but not because it's really implement gamification in, let's say, in a correct way or in a good way. And gamification, similar or really equal to many other different kinds of technologies needed to be implemented with a specific design, with a big attention in different things and many other, many other things. So the first point for your question, in some cases, yes, gamification, unfortunately, is just fed. People are not really learning with gamification and the reasons for that are those that I said. But in the other side, there are many people that are really trying to do good things with gamification and try to, for instance, investigate what kind of gamification designs are more, let's say, suitable for groups of people, trying to investigate what kind of gamification can be better applied and can provide a more a good effects in the people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So at the same time, we have many schools, we have many companies that are trying to implement the gamification in a good way. But what the science say about that? The science, the research conducted in the last years show exactly that gamification, if is applied in a good way, if gamification is uh, well-planned, well-applied, well-evaluated, will provide good results. I mean, will, for instance, change the behavior of a group of people to that people active some time. But if gamification is not applied in a correct way, if gamification is used just because it's famous, just because, for instance, will have attention of a lot of people, but without be careful about the gamification design, et cetera, probably gamification will provide negative results. So this is very important. Gamification need to be very well planned. Gamification need to be very well worked in the environment where the people are planning to apply gamification for then uh, gamification provide good results for, for people. It really starts in the design, yeah. So before we talk about what makes for a good gamified learning environment, can you help us understand what is even meant by the term gamified or gamification in higher ed? So uh, I will start in saying about how the term was created. Let's say the first time that we talked about gamification in the world was in 2006 or something like that. 
and the term was used in a not famous, in a general blog in the internet, and the term was used to define an idea of the blogger to use some game elements in a company to motivate the employers. So this is the first time. But after that, during many years, no one talking about gamification. So it's like just uh, someone uh, wrote the term gamification in a blog, and after that, like a gamification diet. After many years, some researchers in different countries he started again to talk about gamification, but in this time, not only like a general idea of use gaming in company or some things like that, but they started to talk about an idea of use gaming designs or game design elements in different contexts, like company, hospitals, schools, and etc. So... After that, gamification really started to be used in many different countries around the world, in many different situations. And after that, gamification was first officially defined. And the first definition of gamification was gamification is the use of game elements in non-context games. This definition was provided by our research from Canada his name is Leonard Nake and uh, his colleagues, of course. After some time, gamification, of course, started to be used more and more and more and more and more and more. And we started to discuss in a deep way about what's really gamification. Gamification is really only the use of some game elements in non-context game. So if I use, for instance, just points, or badges in a classroom. This is gamification, is this gamification? I don't know. And uh, we started to discuss deeply about that. And currently we have a new definition of gamification that is gamification is the idea of transform systems, services, products in some things similar to games to produce the same motivation produced by a game. So trying to answer directly your question, gamification comes from the idea of transform some system, some classroom, some general environment in something similar to a game, but not a game, not a game, similar to a game, with the idea to produce the motivation, the engagement similar that engagement and motivation produced by a game. Oh, it's really fascinating. So it's mm -hmm. kind of switched from this mechanical idea of, well, add points or a leaderboard or something to this intrinsic motivational idea yes, of exactly. switching things up. That's really interesting. To me, that means finding what makes a person tick. And you kind of mentioned this in the get to know you questions, where it's how do you change somebody's mind? And to me, that seems like it plays right into another interest that I found of yours, and that's how do we personalize this motivation or this gamification? So why is that important? What has the research said about personalizing? And then how do we practically do that, right? Every student's different. So how do we do that? Yeah, yeah. Two different things in your question. First of all, you agree with me that all of us have different perception about general things. We have different perceptions. We have different preference. So in a very simple 
example, you started the podcast asking me about my favorite game. And I, I thought my favorite game is pre-evolution soccer, but you have a different preference than me. And also Tiffany have probably different preference. And the situation is the same for everything in our life in terms of food, colors, clothes, etc. etc. We have different preferences about things. Imagine about the content inside the game. So we can have, for instance, a person that loves to appear in a ranking or in a leaderboard table, but another person can hate to appear in a ranking. So imagine if you are using the same system with the same design for everyone. Probably a group of people that is appear in a ranking or in a leaderboard will say, oh, yes, this is perfect for me. I love to be here and will be more motivated, more engaged to continue to using that system or do something. But another group of people probably uh, we have a different mind about it. And we say, oh, what I'm doing here, uh, this is not for me. It's I'm not feeling good because I'm here in this leaderboard. So this is the question. And that this question for me sounds obvious, obviously. People have different preference about game designs. And of course, if we are trying to use the same system with the same design, with the same game elements, with the same, let's say, game ideas for everyone, we will provide good results for a group of people and negative results for another group of people. So this is the first point because it's very important to try to personalize gamification. And uh, this is the first thing of your question. But there are another thing that is very difficult that is how to implement it, how to personalize in practice. Because, of course, it's not easy <laughs> to identify the personality of a person and identify what is the best scenario to personalize, for instance, the implied system for, for that, that person. And for this, currently in the gamification literature, we are trying to investigate some things about it. One of the points is how to identify the user type a different person. For instance, <clears throat> identify what is the my whole preference about games, how to identify Tiffany preference about game. And for that, in the last years, some researchers are trying to produce different technologies to identify the user profiles in terms of gamification or game preference, etc. One of the most famous ways to identify is using questionnaires. So currently in gamification, we have some questionnaires that everyone can answer, some small questions asking about preference, about the general life, etc. And then the questionnaire or the algorithm behind the questionnaire will produce as a result a kind of table saying what is our preference, game elements, game design, etc. But okay, it's not the only thing necessary because one time that we have the user profile of a group of people, one time that I know what is the micro profile, micro preference about games, what is the different preference about game, I need to understand what is the most suitable 
kind of gamification design for Michael, for Tiffan, for Will, and for everyone. And now also in gamification literature, we are trying to concentrate our efforts to understand how to personalize. I mean, what are the most suitable game elements or game designs, gamification elements, gamification designs to each kind of person according to the user profile. So of course, this is not easy. This is one of the most important kind of research conduct currently in gamification. And every time I like to say, hey, if you are interested in to study about gamification, this is a high topic to you start to work and you can join us and also try to investigate how to personalize gamification because this is really important. And we yeah. don't know enough about how to personalize gamification. So that tool that you mentioned there, Wilk, is that available to the public? Is that a web link that's like a little poll test type thing? Is that a link you could send us we could share with our audience? For sure. It would be a pleasure to, to send. That'd be in awesome. fact, now, recently, in my group of research, we are concentrated, for instance, into work translating and validate some of these scales for different languages. Because, of course, most of these scales are initially produced in English, but it's difficult, for instance, to apply this kind of scale in English in non-general, uh, non-English speakers' countries. But in some countries, of course, it's more difficult because most of the people don't really understand English. Brazil is an example. Only 5% of uh, Brazilian Brazilian population really understand English. So we are trying to concentrate some efforts in the last years in trying to first translate and then use some different statistical tests to validate the translation of the scales in different languages. Currently, I remember that we have scales in Greek, Spanish, German, Deutsch, Portuguese, yes, and we are trying to uh, translate for different languages. And of course, again, if you are from a country that don't speak Portuguese and you are interested to collaborate with gamification, we are very open to receive you in our groups and work in this kind of uh, study. Oh, that'd be amazing. Great. We're going to pause here on the Digital to Learn podcast and bring Wilk back next week for part two. Join us for that conversation about how gamification is more than a fad, and we'll talk about high leverage practices for how to apply gamification in higher ed. Join us next week. In the meantime, like and share our podcast. See you then. Thank you for joining us on Digital to Learn. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. One, come back and join us again. Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University.